There's nothing more crucial about you than the condition of your soul. You need to keep a watch. You need to be concerned. You don't need to worry, but you need to be concerned. You need to be careful about caring for your soul. There are things that are going to come at you that can sicken your soul. These idolatrous sins have a way of tripping us up and keeping us from God's design. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're talking through some of the more obvious ways in which God's children are often tripped up and it causes harm to our soul. Now we know that the only cure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that cure is manifest in different ways depending on the need. Today I want to talk to you about a very serious need. A very serious way of life that is causing the sickness of many souls. And it's loneliness. Recently I was in Houston, Texas with Pastor David and Pastor Bill. We were there researching a church that has now been doing family ministry for almost 20 years. And we were seeing what it looked like for a church to, to maintain that commitment for a long duration. What it looks like when the children grow up and become parents and they become the disciple makers of their children. Our next-gen team, uh, Mariana and, and Nathan and Chad, along with Hunter Sewell, had gone with Pastor David a few weeks before. And they really encouraged me to go and I wanted David to go. And so we went. And I went with the full expectation that the Holy Spirit of God was going to speak. And he did. I had a time to speak with their senior pastor for a couple of hours. And one of the things he asked me was, was really important. He said, he said, you know, what is something that's going on in your church and in your community that concerns you? And immediately I said, homes. I'm concerned about what is or is not happening in homes. I'm concerned about the health of homes because the health of homes will ultimately determine the health of a culture. So I'm very concerned about that. And so you can know in 2020, we're going to give a lot of emphasis to the home. We're going to be really emphasizing generations and what we all need to be doing in our specific generation of life and, and what it is God is calling us to do. Again, the sermon series is for 2020 is almost done. I know I'm behind. Usually I have the whole next year already written by May. I get it. I'm slacking. I get it. So pray for me. I'm almost done with the 2020 sermon series, but it's going to emphasize a lot of those needs. The second one came right after that, rolled right off my tongue, and that is loneliness. I see so many of God's children living lonely lives. I see it in our culture as, as people pull in, get out of their car, get inside as quick as possible without any interaction. I, I see it in, in, in the way that, that people are choosing to live. And there's some very serious consequences to loneliness that, that we need to be mindful of and we need to see what the antidote is. Now, let me say, let me give you a, a distinction here that's very important. There's a difference between solitude and loneliness. We're actually commanded to experience as a, as a spiritual discipline, solitude. Jesus experienced this. Jesus sought this. We should seek it. There should be seasons or times uh, in our day, in my day, every day, I have a time of solitude. So what is solitude? What's the difference? Solitude is a choice to withdraw from interaction with others for a brief time. It's not loneliness, it's solitude, it's healthy, it's good. Uh, you know, we just got back from vacation, and one, uh, strangely enough, one of my favorite parts of our vacation is when we're leaving and, and we're going. We, I like to leave very early in the morning so those people will go to sleep. 
And then I put on my earphones and then it's solitude for almost four hours. They sleep for almost four hours. It's glorious. And then on the, while we're there on vacation, typically I'll take a long run or a long ride for about an hour. And the whole time it's, it's prayer, it's solitude. And then, and then I get even more time because we're on vacation for, for more Bible study and more prayer and more time alone with God. Now I love my family and I'm so grateful. We had a glorious time, but that solitude was so, so sweet and enriching to my soul. Solitude and loneliness are two different things. Let me tell you what loneliness is. Check it out. Loneliness is an awareness of missing someone or, now check this, of not being missed. It is heavy. When you begin to miss someone or a family or situation, it can get heavy. That loneliness can get heavy. Or if there's ever a moment when you're thinking, no one is even missing me. No one cares that I'm not there, that I'm not a part. That loneliness can crush your soul. Loneliness doesn't feel good. It's an aching for companionship. We, we were made for this kind of companionship because when things are hard, it's, it's always made better for us when we have others who can go through our trial. When there's joy and success, it's always sweeter when we have others to be there. Without other people, uh, certain moments become empty. Loneliness tends to, to give us this assumption of uniqueness. Uh, I'm on my own. Only I know what's going on. Only I experience this. There's no one to be with me, to feel with me, to dream with me, to cry with me, to go with me, to explore with me, to laugh with me. There's nobody for me. That's what loneliness tells us. That's what it feels like. Studies tell us that we're in a, a society that is increasing in its loneliness. Uh, a Harvard guy, uh, Robert Putman, uh, wrote a book called Bowling Alone. Talked about things that we used to do together. People now are very weary to do it. And we're seeing it all the more with social media as people are choosing, not just young people, all people are choosing to create a virtual reality rather than live in a relational reality. And, and so the, the outcome of this is less community. So here's what's happening for those of you who are seeking to get community out of social media. Here's what's happening to you. It's why you're, why you're feeling the way you're feeling oftentimes once you're done with social media. It's because you're looking at something that someone has posted and it looks wonderful and great, but you don't feel a part of it. You feel left out of it. And so rather than it being something that typically would make you go, oh, that's so good, I'm glad, I feel a part of this. Social media doesn't make you feel a part of it. What social media does is it makes you feel disconnected from it. And there's that whisper that says, you're no good, you're all alone, they've got it great, you're a loser. And so what we have is a society of people who are feeling lonely, who are feeling lost, and who are absolutely doing great harm to their soul. Now, you need to be mindful when these things will tend to come up. Know that when you move to a new city, get a new job, go to a new school, that there's a tendency to feel lonely. Um, times of illness, especially if you're dealing with something that's chronic, if you're dealing with an autoimmune issue, something that a lot of people don't understand, like depression, or if you're, if you're someone who suffers uh, or has someone in your family that suffers with mental or emotional illness, uh, even normal illness. I mean, I think about when I was sick last year and everyone was going to work and everyone was going to school and I'm just sitting there and all I can do is sleep and hurt and, and you just, and it's lonely. 
um, loss of a job, getting out of those, those rhythms. It's, it is very challenging, very, very difficult. When a friend moves away, dealing with long-term financial struggles, it feels very lonely when other people are doing things and you feel like, we can't do that. I can't do that. I can't go. I can't be a part because I don't have the resources. It's very, very lonely. There's also a heavy burden of loneliness that comes when you have family secrets. Uh, some of you uh, struggle with this pain. You know what it is to have an addict or an alcoholic in your home and that secret you're supposed to keep. You know what it is to be abused and you know that you're supposed to be keeping that a secret or that you have been. And so that's supposed to be a secret. And so that there's, there's a loneliness that overwhelms you when that is your reality. Um, loneliness of singles, um, waiting, being patient, trying to honor God. But understand there can also be a loneliness in marriage when there's a lack of intimacy, when, when it really comes down to just the, the business of transportation and keeping people healthy and getting people where they're supposed to go and owning and managing real estate. It's, it's not what God intended. Realize that loneliness never really shouts its entrance into your life. Understand that most of the time, loneliness sneaks in on sock feet and whispers, you are all alone and no one cares. And it's often a whisper. Loneliness is often a whisper with a thousand tones. You hear it in the tones of different voices from your past. And there's a sense of failure and there's a sense of despondency. And if you're not careful, it will crush your soul. Now, one good thing, after I'm being so positive this morning, we can appreciate uh, about loneliness is that it does reveal something significant about us, and that is this, that we're made for another. Another. and other. You know, when God created the world, he made man. And there was only one thing about God's creation that he said is not good. Remember this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18? Then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. What, what God has done is he's made us in his image. Our God, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If God is not triune, then God was not capable of love until he made us. But an essential quality of his being is love. And that exists because as Father, Son, and Spirit, our one God has been loved and is loving in a community of love in his very being. So he doesn't need us, but he wants us. He is loved. He is love. And he has always been. And in his grace and for his glory, he has made us in this world so that being made in his image, we are meant to be in community. We are meant to have a common union, communion. We are meant to be a part of what God is doing in the world. So why don't we feel this way? Why is there so much loneliness? Why am I so concerned about our church, many of you, and our city, many of the people we will be driving past today? Well, it has everything to do with the brokenness. When we talk about the three circles, I think so often we can kind of disassociate real life things and kind of want to get metaphysical or theoretical about this. But the fact of the matter is God's design was community. 
God's design was that we would, we would be right with him, right within and right with others. But sin corrupted that and has created brokenness. And so now because we have a broken relationship with God, we're born this way with a broken relationship with God because of our sin nature. Because we don't trust ourselves, we can't trust other people. And so we don't trust God, we don't trust ourselves and we don't trust others. And so it has created this, this disconnect, which is lonely. Loneliness is a result of sin and the brokenness. But the good news is God has entered into our loneliness. God has stepped into our world. God became flesh, entered our world to say, you are not alone. I will not leave you as orphans. I have come. I am Emmanuel, God with us. And all those promises, if we will repent and believe Christ our Savior by the power of the Spirit who dwells in us, gives us new life, and we're able to recover and pursue God's design. This is the life. The cure, the anecdote for loneliness is the love, the holy love of God revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go with me to 1 John. The Apostle John was one of Jesus' best friends, if not his very best friend. John knew Jesus in, way, in ways that, that I don't know that any other person on this planet has ever known him. He was there for all the miracles. We see it in the gospel writings. We see it in his epistles. And it's amazing when you think of all that he saw, all that he was a part of, all that was there. When, when John wanted to describe his best friend, God in flesh, Jesus Christ, the word that came to him was love. Holy love is the antidote for loneliness. Holy love. It's important that we understand there's distinctions. There's, a, there's three Greek words, okay, for love. One is philos. Many of you know the city of Philadelphia. Sibling love, deep friendship. Then there's eros. It's erotic love. It's reserved exclusively for a marriage between one woman and one man in, in a mutually binding covenant. And, and then there's agape. And this is self-sacrificing, unconditional love that does not, uh, whatever it takes for the best of another. Agape is typically the word that, that when you see the word love in the New Testament, this is typically the word that, that, that you're reading there. It's agape, it's unconditional love. In our text today, that's the word that, we're, that is being used, that, the, that uh, John the Apostle was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write uh, as he wrote the word of God. And so as Gabe comes to read for us, come on up, Gabe. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And Gabe is going to read for us 1 John chapter 4, and he's going to read... Verse 7 through 12. All right, Gabe, go for it, pal. Beloved, let us love one another for God. Love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this of the, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so we might, might live through him. In this is the love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. 
If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Good job. Good job, Gabe. What did he say? That man said propitiation. <laughs> Pastor Jason loves that word. And we're going to explain it here in just a minute. So look, everyone struggles with loneliness at some point for some reason. Love, God's love, holy love is the anecdote. So when these crushing whispers come and you're overwhelmed with that feeling, let the gospel speak. There's three things I want to encourage you to take note of, to see in our text and to hear. The first is this. In my loneliness, the gospel tells me I'm deeply loved by God. Jesus said, you know, that the, the greatest commandment is love. I want you to think about the implications for this. This is Matthew 22, beginning verse 36. Teacher, which is the great uh, commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Command. It's very important that we understand. It's command. That means love is a choice. It's an action. We often in our culture want to think about love being a feeling. A feeling is something that happens to us when something occurs. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a choice. It is a, it is a responsibility that we take, that we act on. Love is an action. That's why we're commanded to do it. We are commanded by God to love, and we are to love the way he loved us. Those of us who have been born again, we choose to love others because we know God, and God is love. God is love. That does not mean that love is God. God is love. This does not mean that love is God. The fact that two people love each other does not mean that their love is necessarily holy. It has been accurately said, love, don't forget this, love does not define God, but God defines love. So important, especially in our culture today. God is love, and God is holy. Therefore, God's love is a holy love, and His holiness is expressed in that love. Why am I making such a big deal about this? I think you know why. You know, unfortunately, much that is called love in our world, our culture today, bears no resemblance or relationship to the holy spiritual love of God. The reality is, for many, they use the word love to dignify immorality. They use love so the sin doesn't smell. 
Not everything that the world calls love is love. Some of what the world calls love is sin. And sin always causes brokenness. Worldly, sinful, selfish love does not cure the soul. It makes, it makes it worse. So if today you are living in sin, but you want to call it love, you are deceived. Someone says, well, how can I help it? I'm, I'm in love. Love is a choice. You choose it. Acting outside the bonds of God's word is sin. Putting lipstick on a pig doesn't make it any less of a pig. Sin is sin. And calling it love doesn't make it any less of a sin. But here's what I can assure you. It is going to further sicken your soul. It's going to make your life far worse than it has to be. Understand, the love that cures loneliness is God's holy love. That's the only love that will cure. It's, it's, it's not selfish, worldly love, only God's holy love. Now, what does that look like? Well, look in verse 10. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, that propitiation means that, that he chose to love us and to sacrifice himself so that we could be saved. That's what propitiation is. So John, Romans, rather, Romans 5, 8 says this, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were getting our act together, but while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the unconditional love. That's the love that makes us holy. And because God loves us, we can tell ourselves that. Friends, we need to spend more time reminding ourselves that we are loved unconditionally by the grace given through Jesus Christ. And we need to do that more and more with people around us who feel so broken and so lonely and whose souls are so sick. They need to hear us remind them that they are loved by God. In my loneliness, second thing to take note of, the gospel tells me I'm made to give and receive love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, when we, when we repent and believe the gospel, when we give up on ourselves and we stop trying to figure out our own way and do our own thing and instead trust Christ, and that means that not only does he take the penalty of our sin, but he removes the power of that sin as we, as we give ourselves to him and his authority, we are able to pursue and recover God's design. And a big part of that is giving and receiving love. Now, depending on the brokenness that you've been through, it, it, may, it may be harder for you like it is for me to pursue and recover God's design in giving and receiving love. See, when my parents were divorced my senior year, it created pain in my heart because I would go home in the evenings to an empty house and I would go to sleep in an empty house and I would wake up in an empty house. And my thought was, if this is what family will do to you, what will other people do to you? And so my instinct was to separate myself from other people and to keep my distance. But I am so grateful for the people of Park Avenue Baptist Church because they would not leave me alone. 
They kept calling if I didn't show up to Sunday school. They would visit. It was awkward, but they loved me and invited me into that community. And by the grace of God, transformed me. If your instinct is to separate yourself from other people because your heart has been hurt, be warned. You're just going to make it worse. Just to love is to step out in faith. I get that. C.S. Lewis said it this way. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in the, that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Friends, there's something far worse than having a broken heart and it's having no heart. It's being so cold that you no longer care to connect. That kind of apathy is destructive. Someone has said the worst thing in the world is hate. No, the worst thing in the world is apathy. It's an apathy that says, I'm, I don't even care. I don't care about you, I don't care about me, I don't even care. And that's what happens when you get to that place where you won't love anymore. Friends, we have to understand, we are made by God to give and to receive love. And, and, and that, that love, we have to be wise. Again, be discerning. Protect your soul. So when it comes to erotic love, one man, one woman, and the covenant of marriage, you get outside of that, you're asking to damage your soul. You're asking to damage that. That's not holy love. That's sin. When it comes to philos, you need to be a part of a church family. You need brothers and sisters in Christ who will stand with you. Agape, everybody. Love, everybody. God calls us to give and receive love the same way he does. And you know what? God is loved by imperfect people. He receives our love. Aren't you so glad? And he chooses to love imperfect people. Aren't you so glad he loves us? And that's what he calls us to do, is to allow imperfect people to love us. And then we are to love imperfect people, to give and to receive love. And there's a heat that is exchanged there. When we are spirit-filled by the fire of God, the Holy Spirit, it makes us warm. You know, I've, I've shared the story before of the Scottish preacher who went to see one of his men who's an introvert. Knocked on the door, man let him in. Pastor never said a word. Went to their living room. There was a fire there. It was a coal fire. Pastor took the tongs. He took out one of the coals and set it on the hearth. Stood there for a minute. The, the coal went from red hot to, to black, cold. And then he stood back up, took the tongs, put the coal back into the fire, and it turned hot again. Pastor stood up, sh shook his hand, started walking to the door. And, God finally said, man, that's the best sermon I've ever heard, Pastor. I'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> Give and receiving love. See, when you're out there on that hearth, when you're out there on that, in that world on your own and you're not giving and receiving the love of Christ in a family of believers, if you're living in sin outside of the will and the way of God, your heart is getting colder by the minute. You're causing harm to yourself and to your soul. The wise move is to make Christ your Lord and to understand that 
Giving and receiving this love is meeting a need. Write this down and remember, in my loneliness, the gospel tells me others need my love. Others need my love. It's about others. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and, and his love is perfected in us. We've we got to avoid these ideas of unrealistic love. Love is messy. And I know that that's why a lot of people, and, and if you ever talk to someone who says this, turn the table on them. There are so many people who say, well, I can worship God on the golf course. I can worship God from my bed. I can worship God out in the woods on a Sunday morning. I don't necessarily need a, a church. I don't need other people. And the thing I would say to you, if that's what you're saying, or what I would encourage you to say to other people is, has it ever dawned on you that maybe we need you? We need you. We need your coal in the fire. We need you to be a part of what's going on. And you know what will happen to you? You'll grow. See, the more you get in that, those messy relationships, the more you understand the heart of God. I have studied the love of God academically and devotionally and didactically for, for over three decades. You know what has taught me more about the love of God than anything else is being a dad? I had a um, pastor friend, a guy I trained years ago, and um, he, I remember years ago he told me, uh, hey, we're going to have a baby. And I said, good, you're finally going to get some good theology in you. And he argued with me. I've read Brookhoff. I've read... Ah. He called me a few weeks ago. He said, all right, you're right, I'm wrong. I said, oh, do tell. <laughs> he said, this boy has become a teenager. I said, you want to kill him, don't you? <laughs> he said, I do. But I choose to love him every day. I said, now you know how God feels about you. And he said, exactly. I mean, loving teenagers. Whew. That's how it is for God to love us. It's not easy. We're so emotional. We do things that have no cognitive power involved sometimes but yet he loves us still and you know how God wants to love this world the people around sitting around you right now and the way he wants you to be loved you know how God wants to give hugs and handshakes and high fives through us it says in second uh, Corinthians 12 27 now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it if God's going to give someone a hug, guess how he's going to do it? It's going to be through us. If he's going to give a handshake or a high five, it's going to be through us. Again, this week, thinking back on the way Christ penetrated my life through that church. And I think I've shared this before, but after, soon after I was saved, I was going to youth group pretty regularly. And there was a night a youth pastor was all fired up and he said, all right, who in your class, need, who in your school needs the love of God? Who needs to know Jesus? And they started shouting out names and they named these two guys uh, that, that almost beat me up once. And I thought, yeah, they're going to get saved. So a month later when Jimmy and Carl were being baptized, <laughs> it just made me smile. And a few months after that, when we were all in a Bible study laughing together, and I'll never forget Carl saying, I never knew how lonely I was until I wasn't lonely anymore. 
like, yeah, I get that. And we, we all kind of shared our story. And there was such a love there amongst us brothers. You felt the hand of God in the hugs of those men. This is what our world needs. This is what you need. This is what we need. Others need us to give, to receive love, and to do it the way God has done it, to choose to do it willingly. Some of you cannot because you don't have Christ, and I want to encourage you today to come get on your knees and ask him to come into your life. Some of you today, your, your heart is warmed. And here's what I want to encourage you to do, um, especially if you're a leader. Look in your bulletin, if you don't mind. There's a, there's a prayer. The, the revival prayer we'll be praying this week. I want to invite you to come and get on your knees and pray for revival. and Pray specifically uh, that prayer today and then throughout the rest of this week. Some of you, you know that your heart is cold to God. You know it is. You know it and God knows it. And I know exactly what that feels like because I can remember times in my life when I felt that way. I want to invite you to come and ask God to, to change your heart. I'm encouraging you to, to ask for something that you can't make happen and no other person can make happen. I'm encouraging you to experience a miracle, to ask God for a miracle. If your heart has grown cold towards God, towards your spouse, towards your parents, towards your kids, through, toward other people, ask God to penetrate that hard heart of yours and warm it and make it new. Let's stand together. Father, you have blessed us with this gospel and this gospel has this power and, and, and it's a power that is unique to the gospel. Only you can change our hearts. Only you can fill us so that we are never alone. Lord, I know that there are some lonely folks in this place right now. And some are lonely because they do not have you, Lord Jesus. They're dead in their sin. They are separated. And they're like that, that coal. But they're not even in the house. They're out, they're out lost in the world. And I pray today that they would come into your home, receive your love, and be changed. God, for those who want to come today and pray for revival, as I do, hear our prayer. And then for those who need to come and say, Lord, there's, there's a coldness in me. Change me. Lord, I pray that you hear those who come and pray now. Come and pray.